Um, normally Andy's our, you know, uh, our tech specialist guy. Yeah, um, dude. Got to offer some value, you know. <laughs> You'll hear this. <laughs> Nothing he would admit openly. All right, so you ready? What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Roll Blob Podcast. If you feel a tangible void right now, it's because Coop Ledford is not in the building. So we didn't get three random things in the beginning because Andrew and I are not funny enough to do the three random things. So that is taking a back seat. But with that, Andrew, we are taking a huge leap forward. Obviously, you know, we have to water down us. So we have brought in nothing other than Adam Baum. And I think this is a good time to bring in Adam Baum. I mean, there's nothing... Also, like there's no there's never ever a bad time and when you and i are just left alone and just given keys to a ferrari and <laughs> said all right just fucking go with it we're gonna wreck it so we need that third person in here to kind of like keep them like keep a good vibe and keep everybody everything under control yeah. so that is with coop out we bring adam bomb in because i think um coops up on adam bomb's level so as we all know, so with Coop being unavailable tonight, Adam Baum was the perfect, perfect, I'm not going to call him replacement, but addition. Agree. And we obviously need someone to keep us on track, someone to, honestly to water us down because we're just bad at what we do. And I said before the podcast, if we were a menu, the Roll Bob podcast, Adam Baum is the filet mignon. It does not get any better than that. That is our go-to. It is our flagship product. If you can get some Adam Baum on the Roll Blob podcast, you may as well be eating filet mignon at McDonald's. Honestly, I mean, this is a huge, huge W uh, for the listener because you don't have to listen to our bullshit. I mean, and I was the only one on the interview, and, and I tried so, not to talk as much as I thought could. It's hard for me, but I, I did not talk that much. So, so another big, uh, big reason why you should listen to this interview is I'm not on it. I mean, and then there's that. If you're not an Andy guy, yeah, I happen to be an Andy guy, but if you're not an Andy guy or girl. There are many, many of you out there. I know it. There are a lot of Andy guys out there? No, no. Many anti-Andy guys. Oh, that too. Yeah, so this one's this is the one for you. Or Andy girls, which, you know, we won't talk about that. Uh, (laughs) I feel attacked. As you should be. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not doing much better. Um, Okay, so you guys, we are going to shut up very, very soon. I gave us 10 seconds. That's what she said. But Andy Pick, we are going to stop talking. We're going to go to none other than Adam Bob. And he's the man of the hour. He was at the scrimmage. I mean, he's going to release the audio tapes, if you will. And uh, here's the man of the hour, Adam Bob. Roll Blob. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Roll Blob podcast. And I am lucky and blessed to announce uh, that this man just keeps on coming back, Adam Bob. What's good, brother? What's up, Jason? How you doing, man? It's good to be here with you. I never take it for granted. Not a single time. I'm treat it like the very first time, as always. And we got a little man to man, me and Bob tonight. Got a little mandate, if you will. I'm here for it, if you are. <laughs> yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. You know, disappointed sure. that our other two hombres weren't going to be here. But it's like, we, we, 
we don't get to do this enough, you know, just you and me. I, I agree. When you have like a friend group, it's always interesting when you get to do some like solo time, you know, it's always a different dynamic. Yeah. I'm interested to see what this, this produces tonight. I am too. We're off to a tough start, but Adam's inclusive. I'm eating an apple. Uh, hopefully, you know, but he seems pretty cool about it. Like he wasn't like all from my business about it. So I appreciated that. No, you know, I like, uh, you know, variety is super important. And I, I hammer the Clementines when they're in season, which is generally like November until March or April. Um, and then the rest of the year, like I'm equal opportunity. I love to share the wealth. So you've got a quick uh, little uh, Clementine nugget. Oh yeah. They're, you know, I don't, I don't know why I, I looked this up the other day, but I was just kind of, you know, doing a little bit of research on Clementines and I found out something that I didn't know. They're, they're known as the Christmas orange. And I, I think that is a product of the fact that clementines are in season during the winter when, you know, oranges, I don't know. I, I haven't looked into to the orange scene really all that much. You know, it's more of a Mandarin thing for me. So Fair. Extending the bomb empire. Adam, do not stick to sports. <laughs> you to extend that arm, I will be like your fruit intel specialist. I'm just saying we can expand that bomb empire. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, you know, like – a possible dream of mine one day would be to write a book about clementines. I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. No. I, need, I need to do a little bit of digging to see if there's anything out there like that at this point. You know, I don't want to do something that's already done, but right. there could be a market for that. I know Xavier fans would eat it up. <laughs> that they would. I love the Roll Ball <laughs> podcast. Infecting bomb. We got bomb talking about oranges. I love it. <laughs> it's like the good two minutes of Clementine content. You're not going to find it anywhere else. So speaking no, of fruit and health, this is a perfect segue into what I hate to talk about, but we have to talk about the COVID protocol stuff. Um, as I have heard from you uh, via text message, which is stupid, uh, insert word <laughs> here, <laughs> I, I hear that you got to talk with the Xavier Brass today about some of the COVID protocol stuff. Yeah. Um, and this is, this is something that I'm still kind of actively reporting on because the, the situation as it stands right now is I know everyone in Xavier Nation saw that the, the CDC updated their guidelines and, and there was a lot of stuff in there, a lot of details. And, and realistically, where we're at right now is um, the Big East doctors met this week um, to sort of talk about what they want to do. And then the other hurdle, the other kind of thing that needs to happen is the local health governments need to sort of sign off with it and say, you know, here's what we're going to do. And essentially Xavier's going to adopt these new guidelines. You know, they're going to listen to what the local health authorities say. They're obviously going to weigh what the big East says, but it is going to change some things. Um, for instance, the, the big thing that caught most of the headlines was that reduction in isolation time from 10 days down to five days and there's a, a whole bunch of wrinkles tied into that. Things like, did, do you have symptoms? Are you asymptomatic? Do you not have any symptoms? Are you vaccinated? Are you triple vaccinated? Do you have your booster shot? So there's like, there's all these different things that are going to go into this. And then on top of it, part of the CDC guidelines stated that there is this reduction in isolation time from 10 days down to five days. But if you are symptomatic, if you have any symptoms at all, then from days six to 10, you still have to wear a mask when you're around other people. So it's not going to be outside the realm of possibility that you could see basketball players playing in masks, oh, um, which, uh, which will be wild to see. But 
you know, there's some other things in there that, that are tied directly to the booster. So, you know, I already reported earlier this year that Xavier's whole team is, is fully vaccinated. Travis Steele just got his booster the other day. Depending on whether or not you have that triple dose, that's going to change things as well. So there's like, there's all these moving parts and um, hopefully we get some like definitive stuff going forward because I mean, I, not to be negative, you know, I'm, I'm team optimism all the way, but just the way things are going right now, like it's probably likely that Xavier's going to run into a positive test or maybe a, a have to go on pause at some point, you know, um, what have there, there's been, Yukon, Georgetown, DePaul, St. John, Seton Hall already, that's just in the Big East. So there issues will arise, but, um, you know, hopefully because everyone is vaccinated, you don't run into a situation where your whole team is shut down. Hopefully if you do get a positive test pop up here and there, the rest of your team may not get it and you can continue going on and playing games. And that person is just isolated for, for five days, hopefully that. And, you know, that's obviously best case scenario is no one test positive. The very next best scenario is that you don't have this full-flung outbreak that makes you miss even more time because as we're seeing right now, Xavier's completely healthy and they can't get on the basketball court right now. So it's like it's the polar opposite scenario from last year when Xavier couldn't get on the court because of their own issues. And this year we're looking at a two and a half week, essentially pause when Xavier could be playing basketball games. I think that's the tough part is knowing that like, we're good to go, you know? So yeah. uh, it is tough, but it does seem much different. And I was going to ask you kind of how the team's handling this. It does seem like a much different situation here where you have everyone vaccinated teams healthy. I mean, shoot, they're being competitive in practice. So I think that helps from a, a continuity standpoint. I'm sure last year, just getting shut down for weeks, I mean, it's just going to kill you. I mean, you got Dewan Odom doing body squats in his dorm room. Not exactly the same thing as doing a live scrimmage. Um, so what, maybe how are we handling this, or what do you see um, maybe going on inside the locker room? What's the vibe? Yeah, they're, they're keeping their spirits up. I know, you know, Tuesday they were obviously supposed to play UConn, and we didn't find out that that game was canceled until about 5 p.m. the, the day before the game. And – Xavier had a team dinner scheduled that night, um, like they always do the night before a game. They went ahead and had that team dinner after the game was canceled. I think at some point in that night, they decided, you know, let's, let's be competitive tomorrow. So they had a scrimmage in practice on Tuesday, and I was there. We can talk about that. Um, but at, something that you touched on that I think is, is super important for this year is the fact that last year when they got shut down, everyone was stuck in their dorm rooms. I mean, Travis Steele couldn't see his team. He couldn't talk to them in the same room. They couldn't go and lift in the weight room. They couldn't practice in the gym. Um, this year, it's going to be, it's very different right now. You know, they're still together. They're still working. They're still trying to get better. And then on top of it, last year as that stuff was happening, you had, you had Dwan Odom. You had Colby Jones, you had C.J. Wilcher, you had Adam Kunkel, you had Nate Johnson. All those guys, it was their first year in Xavier's program. Yep. And it's like, not only are you taking on this, this new challenge, a new team, you've got new guys that you've never really played with before. There's new terminology, there's new set plays, there's, there's new coaches that you have to adapt to. 
and you didn't get to really put the time in and, and figure all that stuff out together because you kept getting shut down. And this year, it's like, I do think that this team is built a little bit different. They have some experience, some, some time together that those pauses and things where they're not playing games, I think they're a little bit better suited to handle it. So, you know, we'll obviously see. I watched Seton Hall in Providence last night. and Seton Hall obviously still not healthy. And they were coming off a 17-day layoff. And, and you could tell that they, that they hadn't played basketball in a that while. That situation, so, I think they look pretty good, though. Yeah, oh, yeah. They de- and the, the fact that they kept it close in the second half yeah. and they didn't let Providence, a team that's playing like one of the best teams in the country, sort of pull away from them. Um, Seton Hall is going to be tough, man. Yeah. So is Providence. Yeah, Seton Hall Nova is not going to be a bad matchup. So, Adam, if you dangle the carrot, I'm going to go for it. So, there was a scrimmage. I don't want you – I wasn't going to press you, but, you know, if you're, if you're going to dangle it, we're going to go for it. Uh, maybe talk about what you can talk about and maybe what you saw. Yeah. Um, the, the, the cool thing about it was, like, you got to see some guys play who haven't re- – like, Elijah Tucker got to play in the scrimmage, and he's okay. obviously going to redshirt. Cesar Edwards played a bunch. Um, one thing that, that I can tell you that hasn't been put out there, Dwan Odom's dealing with a, a little bit of a sore foot, so he didn't play. And one of the interesting things that came out of this scrimmage was, well, you really only have two point guards on the roster because Kiki Tandy's out for the year. Yeah. So you got Paul Scruggs playing the point guard on the blue team. Who's going to play the point guard on the other team? Adam Kunkel played That's point what I guard figured, on the yeah. team. And I thought that he did a pretty darn good job considering he's not really running the point guard in practice on a regular basis. That's a new position. He's in charge of setting the offense. And, you know, every from changing a position like that, so much is different in terms of what you're doing, where you are on the floor, where you're cutting on set plays and things like that. So I was really impressed with the way he handled himself at the point guard. I thought that was that was probably the biggest takeaway that I took from that scrimmage was that, hey, in the event something happens to to Paul or Dwan or they need another guy to yeah. to handle the ball and sort of run the offense, I thought he did a pretty darn good job. Um, and then you know another thing that he did really well. So basically, they went at it for I want to say it was close close to like thirty minutes, maybe twenty five minutes, and at the end. Um, at the end, it was kind of out of hand. So the blue team was up maybe 10 or 12 late. And the blue team was basically Paul, Colby, Jerome, um, Deontay, Cesar. I'm probably missing somebody. But they, they were up maybe 12. And there was basically over. And I think Travis wanted to, to do something a little bit different. So they did some end-of-game situations. So they put, like, 12 seconds left on the clock and they had one team up three and it was just like, Hey, these are these moments at the end of games where we need to get a shot or we need a bucket. So let's just run them. And one of the scenarios they had was like 5.3 seconds left and Kunkel who was on the white team, they were down two. And I don't really know. I can't explain the play that they ran or, or exactly what they did. You know, my mind doesn't work that well, but, he got a really deep three at the buzzer and just drained it. Kind of, you know, similar to what that's he did game. last year at Marquette. Yeah, that's cash, dude. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, the, the defense did not look great in the scrimmage. I'll just be honest. Like, yeah. And I think part of that is 
the the lineups that they were using, the the guys that they had together are guys that don't necessarily normally play together. So yeah. you know, you had you had Nunji and Fremantle on the same team. So that white team played a lot of that two three zone. Sure. The other team, the blue team, they played more of the pack line man to man. Paul looked good. I thought he did a really good job getting to the rim, getting easy shots. Um, Jerome Hunter hit like I think he went four for four from three point range. <laughs> of course he um, did. Yeah, in a scrimmage. So I know Xavier fans will be thrilled to hear that. Um, Nate Johnson did some really good things. Colby Jones looked like more of the Colby that we've been used to, not kind of the Colby that disappeared a little bit at Villanova. So um, it was good to see him back in action. And most importantly, like, they, it didn't feel like a team that was down right now. You know, I, uh, I asked Travis right before the yeah. UConn game about – having to have that Christmas break right after that Villanova game. And he was just like, I didn't have a good Christmas, man. Yeah, I, I saw that. You know, um, and, you know, from the team standpoint, like you have that game at Villanova and it gets away from you the way that you did and you played so bad in the second half and you really blew a great opportunity to win at Villanova. And then you got to take a week off. And then that week turns into two weeks. And now it turns into two and a half weeks. So that could be something that could easily eat away at a team. And I didn't, I didn't get that sense from them. So I think that was another good thing that I saw on Tuesday. Yeah. I've been really, really impressed. I, I got to back up real quick. Coach Steele is a psycho. So I was going through your Twitter before we hopped on, just scrolling through, just getting some, some notes and stuff. I'm sure you understand. Uh, yeah. One tenth of probably the background. <laughs> you do. Um, so much for chestnuts on the open fire. They practice Christmas night. Christmas night. Dude. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. So essentially Fremantle, New Jersey, Dwan, Atlanta, Colby, Alabama. Um, I'm sure that there, there are some others who had, who had flights. Basically, like, they got to go home. They got to wake up on Christmas morning, spend Christmas morning with their families. And then not long after, they're headed back to Cintas and they're practicing on Christmas night. So, so I think psycho is an appropriate word. And more importantly <laughs> – I think if you if if Travis Steele listened to this, I think he would very much agree with that. Because if I've learned anything from the time being around him and talking to him, like the man does not have hobbies. Um, he is just all basketball all the time. It's all he really thinks. I mean, his his spare time is like coaching his son's yeah. third grade basketball team at Summit Country Day. So, uh, <laughs> but I guess like if that's who you are. Um, then you you're in the right place. You're you're doing exactly what you were put on this earth to do. So I'm not but yeah, I got a I got a kick out of that too when he said that. I was like, man, you had him come back on Christmas Day <laughs> to practice. I'm not mad about it. It's just crazy. Like I I really do respect it. He just is he's Travis Rothstein. He is just a basketball factory. Yep. Yeah. Nonstop. I absolutely and even like, and even like the the managers came back too. So it's like it's one thing to have all, you know, the managers are back on Christmas night to, to, to help out practice. So it's truly, I know, you know, one of the cool things about going to practice and getting to watch is like, my favorite thing is at the end of practice when they all huddle up and you get to hear them talk. And sometimes like Ben Stanley talks. A lot of times it's Travis talking to his guys. And it's like, I think that they all know that this team can be good. And I get that sense when I hear them talk to each other at the end of practices. So, um, yeah, it's cool. I'm, you know, it's, it sucks that they're in this spot right now, but I have a feeling that we're going to see a 
whenever we see him back out on the floor, we're going to see a very, very motivated Xavier team, as they should be. Definitely. We'll get into much more specifics, but I've been very impressed this year, I think, by the consistency of effort. Um, I think in, in years prior with Steele, I, I think there were some ups and downs as far as like game preparedness and, and more of just like the guys day in and day out. Um, but I've been very, very impressed. I feel like this has been like mostly the same team pretty much game in and game out from an effort perspective and, and just a game preparedness perspective, which has been really impressive to me as a fan. I would agree too. And I think, I think part of it um, the last few years has been like, and you know, I, I could be very wrong, but, I think that sort of that, that vibe that you described, a lot of it came from the lack of success. Like Steele's first year, I don't even remember what they started the season, but it was like not good. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's, e it's easy to sort of lose sight of that effort and that like attention to detail and that consistency when things aren't going your way. Conversely this year, I think that that's been easier to come by because I think that they feel that they're a better team, that they've, you know, that they've started the right way and done what they're supposed to do. And now it's like, Hey, who's going to stop us if it, you know, unless it's yeah. us, which is kind of what happened at Villanova. I thought, you know, Villanova is obviously a good team, but I thought that Xavier sort of helped them win that game. Yeah. Um, and, and even, even everything that Xavier did to help Villanova win, like, it was still a two-point game. I know. It was still really, really yeah. close. Yeah. So, um, I don't think that, that Villanova's 13 points better than Xavier. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I've just been very impressed by the focus. I'm not saying old Xavier teams weren't trying, weren't giving effort, but I've been very impressed by the focus. I think it's, it's been really, really impressive to watch. And, and fun as a fan to see that effort that night in and night out. So, I think it's a good time. We're on a break. Obviously, not one that we wanted. We're on a little bit of a break. I think it's a good time for some mid-season inventory. Just seeing yeah. where we are, maybe compared to expectations at this point, it's almost the mid midpoint of the season. What are some things that have stuck out so far maybe you didn't expect, some things that have caught you off guard maybe from a, a more positive or negative perspective so far? I mean, I'll get the negative out of the way. I, I didn't necessarily think that turnovers were going to be such a problem with this yeah. team. Um, you know, I, I'd have to go back and double check, but I think Dwan had like a three to one assist to turnover ratio last year. It was one of the best in the Big East as a yeah. true freshman. Paul's obviously a fifth-year senior. Um, I just thought that, you know, you've got an experienced group. You've got guys that, that know how to do this and, and know how to do it the right way. I didn't think that would be something that we've been we'd be talking about so much early in the season. Um, a positive is one of the things that the last few years that I always thought, like, especially when Najee was on the team and Tyreek was on the team and you got Paul, I thought – why isn't this team at the free throw line 30 or 40 times a game? Like you've got guys that can absolutely attack the basket and live in the paint. You should be drawing fouls left and right. This team this year, they actually are doing that. Jack Nungie has helped out a ton in that regard. Um, I think that that's going to be super important to this team the rest of the way, because as we've seen already sometimes this year, there are nights when three-point shots don't fall. They're like in the second half at Villanova. And I thought I kept, I was sitting there watching that second half and I was like, man, the shots aren't falling. The shots aren't falling. It would be great to see them get to the foul line and try to get back in the game that way. So I've been really impressed with their ability to get to the free throw line. 
Um, that's definitely been one thing. I wasn't necessarily expecting that. Um, their, their depth. And, you know, we t- I feel like depth is such an overrated thing and we talk about it so much, but just the fact that like, I think they've, they've played 13 games and they've had seven different leading scorers and Colby Jones has not been one of those leading scorers. Um, the, the number of guys that they have that can really like not necessarily take over a game and close it, but do things that directly result in helping them get a win. Yep. You know, we've seen Jack Nungy do it. We've seen Dwan Odom do it. Um, we've seen Paul Scruggs do it. We've seen Colby Jones do it. Nate Johnson, like, They've got five, six, seven guys who can do so many important things. And the, the thing I was thinking about earlier today was they've played two Big East games. As we just mentioned, Villanova was a two-point game with three minutes to go. Marquette was a one-point game with like three or four minutes to go. These Big East games are going to be close late. I don't know. You're not going to blow out most most of the teams in the Big East, they're going to be close. You need guys on the floor who can make winning plays. And I think that this team has that. Um, So those have probably been the things that have stood out most to me. I mean, if to piggyback on a few of those, like the rebounding has been really good. Oh yeah. The defense has been pretty impressive for the most part. Um, Their two losses, Iowa State and Villanova, Oddly enough, they led both those games at halftime, and the defense kind of let them down in the second half a little bit. But outside of those two, I think the defense has been really good. And I know from hearing Travis talk to his team and things like that, that's going to be sort of the determining factor, I think, on this team's ceiling. is like, can you defend for 40 minutes? Can you sit down and get stops? So all in all, I think I've been been a little bit – you know, like I said, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist. So I feel like every year I think that this team's – Xavier's going to be pretty good. And this year I thought that they were going to be a tournament team. I think I picked them to finish third in the Big East. And I, I still think, like, I think that they had a better start than I anticipated, honestly. Like, yeah. if you would have told me sitting here, I had them losing to Ohio State. I had them going one and one in the Brooklyn trip. Um, so already, just right there, they've exceeded my expectations in the non-conference. So all in all, I think it's, it's definitely been Travis's best start. Um, and now the, the trick for them is going to be, how do you improve upon this? How do you take this team that did really good in the non-conference and get better in Big East play when you know Big East play is going to be really tough? So that's ultimately how this team is going to be remembered, right? You know, no one's going to care how good you did in the non-conference if you don't follow it up and do something really cool in the Big East, you know, make the NCAA tournament. So I'm excited to see where it goes, though, man. But I I live in a state of excitement, so. Me too. I love it and hate it at the same time, but there's a five-letter word, a five-letter month that that seems to uh, dictate how successful a season was, whether – you know, how good you were during the regular season or not. But I think any fan right now, from my opinion, you know, should be definitely pleased with what we've seen so far. I think if you had promised me going in 11 and two, 23 in the eight people, we pretty much played the best we've ever played at Villanova. You beat, you destroy Cincinnati, you beat Ohio State at home, redeem that 06 team. I I mean, you're taking that to the bank. And your only other loss is against a top 10 team. Uh, I think, I think I'm taking that straight to the bank. 
especially with the yeah. eye test too. Like results is not, I think the eye test has also been positive. Yeah, you and you played your first six games without a first team preseason yeah. Big East guy. And, you know, we can talk about Fremantle, but it's like Fremantle to me is sort of a, a, a very important piece this year because he needs to be better defensively. I think that, that everyone oh, knows that, everyone has seen that. Um, he, can't, he can't give up so many easy baskets at the rim. Now, at the same time, we've really only seen him get it going offensively once, and I think that was against Ball State when he had 24 yeah. points. But when he is – when he finds that zone offensively, this – to me, that's when this team is going to be its most, its most terrifying. Because even if, even if you have a few defensive lapses, if, if you are playing to your potential offensively, you are you're a problem. You're you're something that the the opposition has to absolutely worry about and respect every time that time every time down that side of the floor. And when you have to focus or worry about one of these Xavier guys a little too much, that opens up space for Colby. That opens up space for Nate. That opens up space for Paul. Like there are a lot of different guys that that can really feed off of Fremantle when teams have to respect him and have to sort of buckle down. So I, we really have not seen that yet either. So yeah, that when they get that going, that'll be, that'll be another piece of the puzzle for them. It's wild too, because this was a team that a lot of times on offense depended on Zachary Mena last year. Like he was a lot of times oh, our spark on offense, the guy we looked to to score. So it's kind of wild. And that is a forgotten piece that he's, he was a, you know, he's a first team, you know, preseason Big East player. And then from my major takeaways, I think, are the, the emergence of the, the returning players not named Paul Scruggs. I think Dwan Odom, Colby Jones have all made a huge leap. And then, holy crap, Jack Nungie. That's, that's a thing. I mean, my goodness. Unbelievable. Uh, just a complete change to this team with how good yeah. he is. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And, you know, I remember uh, way back when he committed, and it was like, you know, I talked to Travis, I talked to Jonas, and – was like, yeah, well, you know, we got to get him healthy. We got to get him healthy. If he can get healthy, uh, I think he can really help our team. And it was like, okay, well, yeah, right. That's a big, that's a big if. Like, yeah. if we can get him healthy, this is a a seven footer who's close to two hundred and fifty pounds, who's coming off two serious knee injuries, um, and it was just kind of like, hey, let's wait and see a little bit. And now we've waited, and now we've seen. And good lord, <laughs> I didn't good think too much of him. I mean, he had so many injuries, and, you know, if you think of a big man already injured, I'm like, I didn't think much of him for the first half of the season, to be completely honest. And then to do 31 and 15 in the shootout, I mean, that's as legendary as Avery performances we've maybe ever seen in the shootout. Like, that is up there with the all-time greats. That's a Trayvon-level performance. Yeah, and it's like, that's not the only time he's done that either. No. I mean, the Iowa State game, the only reason Xavier was even in that game was because of Jack Nungy. Like, yeah. There have been there have been some moments the the Ohio State game he was astronomical like um, yeah he's his ability to step up in big games I think is going to be it's it could very well be the difference maker in like potentially competing for a Big East championship is having a guy like Jack Nungie in the way that he can play and impact the game I think the thing that I've been most impressed with from him is and we talked about it a little bit earlier his ability to draw fouls, but beyond that, his ability to defend without fouling. I've been super impressed with. Like, if you can protect the rim like that and make it hard to get points 
in the paint and not not get in foul trouble and not let guys get to the free throw line. Like he's been really good at that. And, you know, I think that they're still trying to figure out how to play him and him and Zach together at the same time. Um, which is why I think a guy like Deontay is going to continue to be an important piece. I don't know how much he's going to play going forward, but like just to give you some, some good defensive possessions here and there. Um, but Jack Nungy is like, not only is he playing great, but he's like he's like a really good human yeah, being. Too. Really so I'm just like, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. Yeah, agree. I love that. I love everything about Jack Nungy and what he's brought yeah. to the program as well. I'm really interested to see from a defensive perspective what we look like against a Nate Watson this year. I think it's, I mean, obviously it's still Nate Watson, but I think it's a much different situation than what it was like last year, for example. Yeah, because I mean, not to be disrespectful, but if you don't have Jack Nungy you're either putting Zach Freeman on Nate Watson or you're putting Deontay Miles on Nate Watson. Both of those are pretty major mismatches in Providence's favor. And that's like, that's more of uh, a nod to Nate Watson than it is a knock against Freeman and Deontay. But now, now you have like this big man who's proven that he can play defense and you can sort of, you know, Nate Watson's still really good. But you can sort of mitigate a little bit of what he does with a guy like Jack Nungy. I, you know, I didn't expect Jack to move as well as he does for his size and coming off those injuries. So that's, to me, that's like, it's such a big thing having Jack Nungy this year because it takes, it takes a little bit of pressure off Zach and some of those other big guys to, to defend like guys that are much bigger and thicker than they are. Yeah, we'll get into one more thing here in just a second, but that's one thing I love about Nungie. And like, watch, I think Colby the same way. They're just always where they need to be. Like, I, and just like the rebounding, the boxing, like, I feel like they're just always where they need to be. They're such high IQ players. They're just a joy to watch. I, I love watching Jack Nungie play. They are. I, I love watching those dudes. So let's buy some stock. John Rothstein, buy stock now. If you're buying Xavier player stock, maybe buy low, sell high, or just, you know, buy medium and sell high, whose stock are you buying going forward? The, the stock that I would be all over right now is the guy who's a, pretty much been Xavier's best player the last two games since Big East play started, and that's Vaughn Odom, the destroyer of worlds. Love it. destroyer of worlds. I think the last two games have been a snapshot into what Dwan Odom can be and how he can impact this team to, to its max potential. Um, We've like we've seen him do it. We've seen him do it in spurts and bits and pieces. But for him to take over that Marquette game the way that he did and just absolutely assert his will, um, this is a guy who like the bit the knock against him is like, oh, he can't shoot. He can't shoot. Well, he doesn't need to shoot <laughs> if he's just gonna yeah. blow by everyone and get to the rim. Like his floaters in the lane are they are Mona Lisa level, like art. Like, I, I don't know how to, like, the, those shots are not easy. They are super high level difficult, like, to, to go up over those. But, yeah. And he's really good at them. Um, and to me, that just, when he's on the floor, it changes everything. Because you've seen it a couple times this year already when it's like, Dwan starts getting in the lane, starts hitting some shots. And you know what happens? that defense collapses on him and he's proven that he can find open guys and sort of get guys shot. So it's like, 
I love that about his game. And then the fact that he defends the way that he does, I love that about him. So right now that would be – Dewan Odom would probably be at the top of my list. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I still think, like, Adam Kunkel yeah. is a guy that, that I've been – because the knock against him last year was his defense. And I really haven't noticed him having defensive breakdowns and, and whatnot this year. He's got the best assist to turnover ratio on the team. He's, I think he's looked way more comfortable and confident with his jump shot this year. And he's another guy that's like really crafty, really good off the dribble and getting to the rim. And I just think the more guys that they have that can like score and attack in different ways and sort of, it just, it makes it really hard to defend Xavier. So those are kind of two, and those those are two guys that come off the bench too. That's a, that's another thing. It's like Jack Nunji's another guy that comes off the bench. So it's like Xavier. I like that they have these guys that are coming off the bench that can really take over a game. Like how many teams or how many programs in the country right now can say that they have two or three guys coming off the bench that can absolutely change the dynamic of a, of a basketball game. Like that's such a benefit in my mind. You hit it on the head, and you mentioned it earlier with, with you know, you mentioned guys that are essentially winning a game being the difference in the game. I mean, I think there's no question Duano was the difference in the Marquette game. I think by himself, uh, you know, was the difference maker. And you mentioned it too. I mean, there was that last play. I mean, he's going to the bucket. I took that screenshot. Five players and then a five-foot a five foot radius of Duano Odom finds a wide-open Nate Johnson for the dagger in that game. And he had yeah. 18 points, and you know what he's going to be doing every single play. That's what's wild. The defense knows he's not taking a shot outside of 10 feet. And he still yep. does it play after play after play. It's so impressive. And the most important thing about, about that game in particular was now Dwan knows that he can do that. And not, not only does he know that he can do it, he knows he can do it against a Big East team that is known for their, their havoc defense, you know? Yeah. Like that to me should be like a flower inside his mind that just blossoms into <laughs> some big, beautiful plant. You know what I mean? Like Adam Walton. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah like I, I that game was huge for between Dwan's ears man no yeah, doubt definitely. like the the fact that he got to do that and, and essentially put his stamp on winning a big east game like that it has to work wonders for his confidence I watched that breakaway dunk and just Dwan getting hyped like 40 times in a row that was such a cool moment for him and it was so crazy, too. It might have been you that tweeted it. He had committed four years prior to that game. Yeah. He's been around forever, bro. It was just really – and he's been all about Xavier from the moment he committed. Uh, and obviously a huge recruit. And that's not an easy thing to do. Uh, it was really cool to see him at that moment. Yeah. And, you know, Dwan's such an unselfish dude. Like, there are, what, 358 Division One teams in the country. Dwan would probably start on – 330 or 304 you know what I mean like yeah. there aren't many programs or many teams where Dwan Odom would not start on you know and he's like whatever coach whatever you need me to do I'm, I thought that was I'm, really cool that sounds yeah. like really really cool yeah and I think that's one thing that Steele is building and you know obviously we get on tangents and you can you know tell me to shut up whenever you want to but I think Steele's definitely building a winning culture whether it's coaching staff or players I think you definitely see 
a lot of Travis Steele and the players and the coaches. You think of a Danny Peters, who's a grinder. You think of these players. Like I think of Colby Jones kind of embodies a lot of Travis Steele. And I think you've seen it in the play. I think it's really cool seeing, I think, Steele's vision kind of come into fruition. I think of plays like a, a, an Adam Kunkel step back where the defenders are, you know, two going towards him in a wide open pass to Jack Nundy. I think you're just yep. seeing a lot of unselfishness and, and winning culture that maybe you weren't seeing in the years past where it takes a couple of years to get culture going. Yeah, and I think a big thing for Travis is ultimately Travis needs – he needs a result. He needs a season that Xavier fans can point to and be like, okay, he did this. Right. All right, he can do this, and he still needs to do that. He still needs a result like that. But I think one of the things going for him – that he has going for him this year is – we're starting to see guys that he recruited and he brought into Xavier develop into really good basketball players. Dwan Odom, Colby yeah. Jones are two great examples. Jack Nungy, he recruited. Zach Fremantle, he recruited. Like, the fact that, that you know, obviously you have to put it all together and you have to win games when it matters and make NCAA tournaments. But the the biggest thing for me is, like, we're starting to see him – bring in good basketball players that are now getting better. And, and that's a huge important thing for him going forward is that, you know, maybe you had some hurdles, some stumbles out of the gate. You didn't have seasons go the way that you wanted to. Well, now we've got, we've got prog positive progression with your recruits and we're starting to see these guys flourish. I think that's really important. Yeah. My perspective, just as a Xavier fan, honestly, at this point, like, Travis Steele has gone so much farther in my mind as far as, like, his leash is concerned. I mean, obviously, you're concerned. It's three years. You know, results speak for themselves. It's a result-based business. But this has been really good basketball. Like, I test this season has been extremely impressive basketball, in my opinion. The way that we're recruiting the team that we have. And, and also, too, you talk about hitting, like, hitting uh, you know, recruiting out of the park. How about the transfer market? I mean, Nate Johnson and, and Jack Nungy. I mean, Nate Johnson has been absolutely ridiculous. I mean, and I think – I don't know. I, I, I have – I've been very, very impressed this season. Yeah. Like, you know, it, to me, one of the first things or the, the, one of the biggest steps that needs to sort of happen in order for a coach to take that next level is like, can you bring in good guy, good basketball players? And then can you make them good, even yeah. better yeah. basketball players? And then the next step is, can you turn all those good basketball players into a really good basketball team? So we're sort of seeing this progression and I know it's hard to be patient. And I, I have this like really great luxury in that I'm, I'm a reporter covering the team. I'm not a Xavier fan. I didn't grow up like diehard rolling blob all over the place. <laughs> you know I mean? So I actually, I get paid not to freak out. It is my job to remain calm when things may not be going well. Um, and I'm really good at staying calm when things aren't going well. I would say where I struggle is I tend to, I tend to have a lot of fun when things are going well. So, you know, you see me firing off gifts on Twitter. Like, um, you know, my, I have some of my best friends in the world are UC fans and they follow me on Twitter and they're like, I got to mute you during the season, dude. Cause it's like, <laughs> All you do is share like Xavier gifts and stuff. And I'm like, right. there are no, like I am allowed to have fun doing this and I plan to continue having fun doing this. So um, it's been cool to see, but yeah, I think this season to me has, has easily been the most inspiring and, you know, it honestly might, 
might be the hardest in terms of like from a Big East perspective. I just think how many games in the Big East this year do you think are not going to be close in the closing minutes? Like maybe two against Georgetown and two against DePaul and the rest are probably going to be close. I you thought know? it was going to be one of them on the road, but apparently not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I was actually going to ask you that. How's your season been so far? It's been really cool to see you be able to be boots on the ground and have it be relatively normal. What's your season been like? Yeah, it's cool. Um, I, I'm, I really like traveling and going to all the games is, is really fun. And it's something that I really look forward to every year. And I obviously I didn't get to do it last year. Um, it's very tiring. Like, it, you know, the, the road trips are like, people are like, Oh, did you, did you go do anything fun? Did you go see anything? And I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm just kind of there grinding. You know, I know I texted you. I, I, I feel like I, I might have jinxed the muskies a little bit. Dude, you, no, know. you didn't know such thing. You didn't know such thing. So just to provide your listeners with a little bit of background. So <laughs> um, the day of the Villanova game, I walked into my, my hotel's weight room, the fitness center, and I put in my, my earbuds and I, I started up my music and I just hit shuffle, you know? The very first song that came on, do you want to tell him? X going to give it to you, baby. Rest in peace. It was, it was Mr. DMX. Rest, rest in power, my friend. So I texted you a screenshot of that, and I was like, wow. this I, I'm not a huge, like, sign guy or symbolism guy, but I was like – and then they played like that in the first half, and I was like, oh, maybe DMX is with us right here in this room. But he was not. There's an alternate universe, Adam Bomb, where you, you hit shuffle – and DMX does not play, and we lose by 30. So I, I like to think that you're the reason that game was even close. That's a good way to look at that. Yeah, I'll take complete credit for that. Last half full. Yep. Yeah. No, but, yeah, to, get, to answer your question, like, I, I'm having a blast. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine doing anything else. Like, covering Xavier is super fun. Everyone's super cool. Um, I, I subscribe to Musketeer Report now. I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit active ah. on the message board. Um, you so are I think, sick of it. <laughs> I, one of the reasons why I wanted to do that is, number one, because I have, you know, a tremendous amount of respect for Rick and the work that he does. But, but also it's like I find the message board super beneficial because it's helpful for me to know what Xavier fans are thinking about, what they're talking about, what they're curious about, what they have questions about. Cause I think that like sometimes Twitter is like a very small window yeah. into very vocal people who may not represent like the larger majority, you know? Yeah, exactly. So it's like on Twitter, I get a lot of people that are angry. A lot of people that no matter what will not be happy. Um, and there are people like that on the message board too, let's be real. But I think the message board is a broader representation of like a, a bigger picture of what Xavier fans are thinking and what they're feeling. So I've been, I've been having some fun. Yeah, it's good. I have to respect that. You are diving in head first into the shit. And I love it. Going on message boards, you are committed to your job, Adam Bob. I love yeah. it. And you know what I will say is, People have been very nice to me on there. They've probably been nicer to me. Yeah, well, th 
Thank you. I appreciate that. They've been nicer to me on Musketeer Report than they have been on Twitter, a lot of them. So, um, Twitter's a ruthless place. I think Musketeer Report, you get a lot more. I'd say your average age is probably different, if I'm being completely honest. And Musketeer yeah. Report is much more, in my opinion, you know, 35 to 50 year old graduates that, you know, are maybe a little bit more distinguished than in maybe your yeah. average age of 20 to 32 year old degenerates on Twitter. Yeah, I would agree. As you know, I, I fall into that, into that demographic there. Well, oddly enough, there are some old dogs on there Twitter are. that like yeah, to mix it do. up. We, you know, we've, we've got <laughs> some. I'm not saying they're on outliers. We've definitely yeah. got some, and they're great, by the way. I love them on Twitter. Dr. Rock, dude. Have you had Dr. the good Dr. Rock on the podcast? He was actually our first guest. Was he really? He was fantastic. He, um, he spoke of everything from, you know, his past and, and graduating in 1969. Nice. And having sex on a motorcycle. So, you know, everything got covered with Dr. Rock. He's an interesting listener. He actually is on, he's actually a radio personality in Dayton, actually. I know. I know. So I have, I have a very, and I, I'm hesitant to even bring this up to you right now because it's like once I, once I speak this into the ether, I've essentially spoken it into existence and I have to kind of follow through with it. But I thought like a cool, a cool off season thing would be to, to maybe do some stuff on like interest, like interesting Xavier fans. Yeah. Um, you know, like feature stories on like, Hey, when did, when did your passion for Xavier start and all that good stuff and sort of, you know, I, you know, I'm just kind of thinking, Outside the box, a Maybe little bit. We could bit do a tour here. of that man cave. You seen that Xavier man cave on Twitter? No, I there haven't. You'll have to send me that. Fantastic Xavier man cave on Twitter. I, I'm sure I'll be able to find it. You know, just do a quick search. We should give that a tour. Maybe. Maybe he'd be down for for some bombing. Yeah. I will. I will drop you one little thing that I know some of your listeners will get a kick out of. So, I am. <laughs> I'm actively. Right I'm excited. I can't wait. I'm actively working on a story about the, you know, I, maybe it was before we started recording, but I've met your dog, Kobe. He popped his, he popped his head up into the screen. There are, I want to say six Xavier men's basketball players who have dogs. And I'm going to do a story on the dogs of the Musketeers, man. So go. it's in the works. Shout to Catlin on Twitter. Oh yeah. That when I share it, I'm gonna say it was dedicated to her. As it should be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell a quick story about her. She DMs the Zip 'em Up Twitter account, which I may or may not run, by the way. And I've always <laughs> told her that I have to run everything she ta- she talks to us about through Joe Sunderman. So I don't know if she actually buys that or not, but just in case <laughs> she asks, everything that she asks us has to go through Joe first. All right, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's really plugged in. Oh my god! So you said you're on the message boards. Are you plugged in about Zion Cruz? Well, I know this isn't necessarily I, your area of expertise. No, and and here's the thing: like, uh, uh, I'll just be completely transparent with you. Rick, Rick is so much more tapped into the recruiting stuff than me. I, they, they could not pay me enough money to try to follow all that shit. It's the beast. It's head spinning. And, and Rick has tons of really good connections. So that's another added benefit of being a member on there is I can sort. So I texted Rick after I saw that and I was like, Zion Cruz, eh? Yeah. And he just, he just sort of threw me an LOL and I know he's working on it, but I texted a few people and, you know, 
we shall see. I, I don't know that like anything is necessarily imminent. I could be very wrong. I, I do have know no expectations. Easy come, easy go is my opinion right now. Yeah. I do know absolutely nowhere. I talked to I talked to Travis right after the scrimmage on Tuesday. And uh, we were just kind of talking and Jonas and Danny Peters were not at the scrimmage because they were both out recruiting. And Travis said that he was uh, that night he was driving to go recruiting. And he was like, you know, he didn't want to fly commercial because I guess that there's a pilot shortage right now because of COVID. Okay. So private planes are limited. And he was like, I don't want to get on a commercial flight. So he was literally going to drive to go recruit and then drive back the next day. So, you know, that's like you you would rather be playing basketball games right now, but I feel like Xavier fans can sort of get a kick out of the fact that their head coach and two of their assistants and Dante may may have gotten out too as well. I don't know, but they're out there right now hitting the ground, pounding the pavement, looking for looking for dogs, dude. <laughs> All the euphemisms. <laughs> you got this freaking broadcasting thing down pat man you got a john fan this thing going game i want to no, see you and ball on a broadcast <laughs> you can do uh, it man. i'm telling you you think i don't know you can definitely do you it. Know, that's the one thing with like with talking you have way less time to think when when i get to write stuff right. down i have like i have so much more time to sort of process it and work through it so but i appreciate the compliment you i know, respect you are pretty good on the freestyle by the way Thank you. If the Enquirer ever uh, decides to go in a different direction, maybe I'll, maybe I'll see a Fanta will take me under his wing as his intern or something. Shouts to Fanta, man. Getting a big game like that, Providence Seton Hall, that was really, really cool to see. Fanta's a beast. And he's so good, dude. My favorite thing about Fanta is I, I want to say he's 26, maybe 25. Like, That's he's awesome. young. Yeah. And he's had so much success early on. And that could have very easily gone to his head. And I have not gotten that from him one bit. Like he's just, to me, he's just like some nerd who loves sports from Cleveland, Ohio, dude. Yep. And he just worked really hard for this. And I still get that sense whenever I talk to him. So, I mean, dude, he's just like you, man. He gets in the shit and he's big time now. Like even a few years ago, like he was still big time. He was still like, you know, Biggie's network, all this kind of fun stuff. But I feel like his, I mean, if you were buying John Fanta stock two years ago, I mean, congratulations on the triple up. on yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, but like, dude, he's in our shit too. Like he's in the Xavier extreme family group chat. And like he'll <laughs> randomly come in there and say some dumb shit. Like he's in our H <laughs> group chat, which I can explain to you what that means later. Like he is just absolutely one of us. Like, and that's what I love about Fanta. Like he's a man of the people. Like I, I really, really love John Fanta. Like he's not too big time for anybody he came on our stupid podcast. Like, he was, like, our third person we had on here. Like, unbelievable. Unbelievable. He's a great human. Fantastic. I yeah, I got, you know, we came to Cincinnati to do the Nate Johnson uh, three-point shooting contest. And, like, <laughs> as soon as he landed, he was like, hey, you want to go get something to eat? And I was like, yeah, tell me when, tell me where. I love him, too. And then, too, he's super giftable. So, I, you would love him. Oh. Some of Fanta's gifts are like, dude, you're 26 years old and you've got a Rolodex of gifts that are just pure right. gold. I know. Yeah. Like, dude, imagine like dude, he's going to be a gift factory. That's going to be a legacy. Forever. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. I know. Well, man, we have, you have been more than gracious with your time per usual. If you have any message to send to the boys, Andy and Cube, I will definitely pass that along. And then if you have any questions about the message board, like 
Romy and Sato jumping off of two feet or Churchill Odia. <laughs> I'd be happy to answer any of those questions. Just send me a text and I got you. It's real. Right, yeah. It's not going to be very funny, but I will explain it to you. I appreciate that. Yeah, in case I ever, you know, I run into anything that I, that, or I venture into uh, a subset of something that I'm yeah. seriously uneducated in, you're, you'll be my first text. You will but, see the same references from 1999 over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, just uh, tell Andy and Coop that I love them Thank and you. Happy New Year. And uh, we'll, we'll have to reconvene again when, when all three amigos are on board. But I did enjoy our mandate. Oh, it was great. Yeah. I mean, I got to meet your pets, dude. You did. You did get to meet Kobe and Shaq. Yeah. Yeah. And what <laughs> a wonderful... They were excited yeah. about the story, by the way. So well done. Hell yeah. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Make sure that they read it too. I could use some clicks. I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> I'll do what I can. But I've been checking you out as always and definitely subscribe to the Inquirer. Like great deals, great content as always. Any stories? I mean, you covered some stuff. Anything you're excited about? Anything you want to, you know, talk about? Yeah. So, um, I am going to be doing a feature on Dave Fluker. Cool, the flukes. Yeah, so, you know, we were sitting there at the scrimmage and we were kind of talking and and I basically brought up the fact that, you know, Xavier's not playing games right now. I have to try to figure out some stuff to write about. And I was basically like, you know, has anyone ever interviewed you, Flukes? And he was like, no, not really. And I was like, oh, I would love to. So I'm going to do kind of a deep dive on on the man behind the – the Xavier men's basketball medical team. So I love that. That's yeah. Really cool. Yes, yeah, so I got that one. The the dogs of the Musketeers. Um, yeah, and then we'll kind of we'll see where the season takes us. But um, I'm excited. This team this team's been fun to write about, and hopefully we've got some more good stories in the tank on the way. Absolutely. I'll let you go in just a second, but I've got a good gift for you when you release that story. If you ever seen Coastal Carolina, be a dog. Oh yeah. I love that. Yeah. You know what? That, that gif is – I've looked for that gif before. It's hard to find. Yeah, it's more of a video than a gif. Yeah. Yeah, I've got the video in my, uh, my meme folder. All right, well, then you're, you're going to have to hook me up when yeah, the time I'll, comes. I'll be your guy. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I really appreciate you coming on, man. It's always good to talk to you. Nothing better than the guy who you – know, you know, honestly, it's like that zip up scrimmage. You were behind closed doors. You saw it happen. You're the, you're the man everyone wants to hear from right now. So I really appreciate you oh, coming yeah. on. And what better place than, uh, <laughs> than the Roblox podcast to do it? Roblox, baby. I can't Thanks believe my that. last little tidbit. Then I'll actually let you go. You got to talk to the athletic director at Xavier and the Roblox boys in the same day. What a day. Same day. Both sides yeah. of the country. I know. What, and, you know, this will be like, this will be a day that, that I tell my kids about someday. Like, I got the briefcase I mean, and I got McDonald's. In the same day. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's it's fun talking to you guys, man. Obviously, I appreciate you having me back on. So whenever you need, thanks for coming back around, and hopefully it's not the last. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Never, never. (laughs) We love you, man. Thanks for getting in the shit, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate you. Another elite interview with Adam Bomb that I was just absolutely blessed to be a part of. I am so glad I got to experience that firsthand and know exactly what you guys talked about. So, but. We all know it's it's an evergreen tweet. Adam Baum just does a fantastic job, and we appreciate every bit of his time that he donates to a couple of idiots like us. And I got to hold on real quick. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk about you. I need to talk to the Cincinnati Inquirer real quick, and they won't ever hear this, but I'm going to act like they are. You got to pay that man. 
I mean, he is in the shit. He's in the message boards. There is not a nastier, grimier place on the internet than college basketball message boards. And your man is taking the initiative and going in the shit for his job. You got to pay this man. I mean, my goodness, that is drop that is the bag awesome. right now. Yeah, you you write Adam Baum a blank check. That's what you need to do right now. I mean, honestly, that is job commitment that I've never showed. Never. I've Even never showed any job commitment, but I know that's what that is. <laughs> right. What's a job? Uh, <laughs> I wish I didn't know. That's unfortunate. Um, Andy, I've heard that you have to take a shit. I do, yes. And that shit is directly upon Georgetown University of Washington, D.C. So, like, what? Not Kentucky. Not Kentucky. No, a big Elias Harden guy. He's still there, I think. Um, He wasn't on the roster, I'll check, but uh, we don't need to be on a roster. Um, But, so as we all know, Xavier has gone about 10 days without a basketball game. The last game we witnessed was one we're not going to speak of because actually I think this is our first podcast since that too, but we're just going to forget that all, all that happened. On Harry Potter theme, he who shall not be named. He who shall not be named. Yeah. And, but what has happened is we've had two shut like we've had two games canceled or postponed due to teams having COVID. Now, UConn, as much as I love the whole fuck you UConn shtick, I can forgive them because they have promised they are going to benefit. We are going to benefit from them later on with quad one and quad two victories. But the other one is Georgetown. I am not shocked at all that Georgetown, who has been just a fucking mess ever since a 15 seed literally dunked on them for entire for an entire 40 minutes. They have not been the same ever since, and I'm convinced they cannot do anything right. They are stuck there in like the bottom 100 in the 100 worst teams in the net. They are literally a quad three and slash quad four game for us. They don't benefit. They do not have any benefit toward us at all, and they just shut our games down. I am so ready for Georgetown to get the fuck out of the Big East. They have no benefit of being being here. They have no role. Like it takes a lot for us to hate dogs, but Butler and Georgetown do that for us. I just don't understand what their role is in this conference or what benefit they make to society. They call me Captain X and I approve this message. Thank you. And that is the end of my rant. Fuck you, Georgetown. (laughs) Fuck you, Georgetown. I hate Georgetown, dude. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I was so excited to be in the same conference as them. Because I get Georgetown, it's a big deal, blah, blah, blah. I fucking hate them. They just do nothing. They're a lame duck. They are a very lame duck. They are a duck that is not in the cool kids club. Like, they are are that duck that we all, like, invite along just so we can make fun of them more. Like, they're the duff. They are the duff. No question. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I can't with Georgetown. They're the fucking worst. Them and Butler. Like them and Butler might be the AACist of the like like the AACist of the um, Big East, and like when when it came down to like the the Big East shoot around when it was like when their big rivalry game with a, another team outside of the top one hundred of the net, um, Syracuse. Which congratulations, you beat fucking Syracuse. So thank you for representing the Big uh, like that. That you did something. You beat another watered down 
um, has been program. Uh, so but like, them them in our mentions of talking about how like it's just the biggest rivalry. It, like it's an old time, old school rivalry, old Big East rivalry. How it needs to be on the prime time uh, coverage of the of the Big East shoot around. Like no. No, it does not. That is a quad three or quad four game for both of you. Fuck off. Bo- just because two. Instead of the other coach, yeah. starting lineup is his own fucking flesh and blood. <laughs> he can't recruit players against that fucking kid to field a fucking team. Hey, he did bring in a good coach of sons, Jim Rex. You're, You're not wrong about that. And they're sneaky athletic. I will give him that. But it's just absolutely ridiculous. That is. It's fucking – it's like San Francisco against whoever fucking San Francisco's rival is. It's fucking UC. dead, bro. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's UC, Santa Barbara, and fucking Cincinnati. I, I don't fucking know, dude. It's bad. It's really, really bad, and Georgetown sucks, and I hate it. And that is – and now we're going to move on to someone else. All right. Insert hard cut here, keyword on the hard. So, Andy did his shit. I have to, also have to shit. I am also full of shit. And that shit is towards a team whose colors look like shit, and that is the Cleveland Browns. And they are complete shit – in every single way, and I'm sorry because I love Patrick Cable, but the Browns are just the fucking worst, and they're so stupid, and they look dumb. And here's my thing with that. I love I love Sir Yacht. I really fucking do. If, if you know him, I love him. We had him as a guest on our podcast one time, and he's the fucking man, and I love that. Are we have a podcast? I, I think so, didn't we? Something that resembles one, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. But this, this fan base is literally saying, and like hardcore going at it, that they would rather have Baker Mayfield than Russell Wilson. <laughs> The delusion is just through the roof. That is the stupidest thing I've ever fucking heard. Imagine (laughs) imagine using so much of your own energy and taking so much for your life to defend a piece of shit. And I don't hate Baker as a person. He's not Johnny Football. But, like, they literally think that Russ has a better team than Baker Mayfield. If you take the quarterback position out of it, they're probably the best team in football. And I... A couple of Browns fans that I personally know have kept saying we're a quarterback away. Literally. And they're saying, and here, I have an idea. There's this quarterback out in Seattle who's oh, just wow. a football team away from being being <laughs> Super Bowl <laughs> champion. Only a football team away. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous, bro. And I know he has DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and they're good. I mean, Metcalf's a stud. I don't think Tyler Lockett would be anywhere near as good without Russell Wilson. I still think he's good, but – I don't think he's like, and also the fact that they have like virtually no run run game because they have no offensive line. Right. And then Carson's been out all year, but like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And like our boy Capo, I love you. But like, he was saying the the same thing to me about like, yeah. And Russ has a better team and he's like five and eight. I'm like, he doesn't have a better team though, dude. It's not even kind of close. And what, what happened to Kevin Stefanski being like a quarterback whisperer? Literally. And, and it's wild because I don't understand that argument. It's like you would rather die for Baker than die for your own football team. Like, the rest of your football team is fucking awesome. Yeah, like, yeah, you had a guy named Chubb who you extended. You have you Chubb did. extended. And that was the right move. If I was going to go at anything, I'd be going at that color scheme. That would be problem number one. I mean, the universe does not want a team that wears shit to win. They just don't. And Why, they have the – they have the basic ass helmets that's just it's just the color orange, and your I'm, logo is a helmet. I'm I'm literally trying to see, like honestly, like if if you can think of anything literally worse than that branding, tell me what it is. Like if I was in a room, we had a boardroom, let's say, and they put us in there. Hey, you have an hour to think of the worst branding you could possibly give a franchise. 
that's off to you. I would come up with. We're going to be shit brown and orange, and our logo is going to be a fucking helmet of that shitty color scheme. That's what we're going to do. Like, there's so many other things that they could have done. The literal worst thing you could ever fucking do. Like, is it? Are they? Are they punking us? Like, how is that still a thing? It's 2021, and like, no one's. Like, I can't believe that's still happening. Like, honestly, I can't think of what you would do that's worse. Honestly, like, they had the rebranding of the baseball team. They should have just gone full circle and rebrand the entire fo- uh, football team as well. I mean, the Cavaliers, that, that's that, that's badass. That, that that all works. Change the colors a little bit because that's fucking stupid. I hate those. But the you could have just rebranded the entire city of sports. Yeah, you really could. Rebrand Cleveland State. <laughs> rebrand Cleveland oh shit shots to Norris Cole but honestly if you change that color scheme and you get Russell Wilson they, they might go 21 and 0 20 and 0 win the Super Bowl 17 and 3 right 17 regular season three playoffs sure yeah yeah if you if you win all 17 then you play three playoff games then the math we are a math podcast holy shit <laughs> that, was, that was tough I, I put Andy in thinking mode there real quick so, Andy, we've both taken our shits. We are in good shape. I say, what say you? We do a quick little State of the Union. I have something to say, if you don't mind. And it's nothing crazy. I just wanted to have some open dialogue and say that it's been a pretty crazy few months for your boy personally. Nothing crazy. Not everything's a fucking mental crisis. But it's just been a lot of work in real life, man. I'm going to be honest. I was living a fuck-off lifestyle for like three years straight. I mean, had some tough circumstances, got my bank account drained in the Navy, got my car stolen. Uh, it was tough times, and I kind of had a Makuna Mastata stage. I said, fuck everything. I'm just going to fucking just be an idiot and just not really care about anything. In the last couple of years, I'm like, man, I got to care about some shit. You know what I mean? I got to start giving some fucks. And so if you have noticed a little bit of a downtrend in the energy that we give this podcast, that's because I've been giving this podcast a little bit less energy. And whoa, I hate that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So yeah. the, that all adds up. Again, math podcast math podcast and that does suck and i don't want to do that but also we're doing this for free essentially aside from 69 cents here and there um which you know is better than any kind of amount of money you could ever get in the world um but i just want to say that if you're still here and you're listening to us and you get anything out of this i'm really happy to hear that and it means a lot and we enjoy doing this and we will never stop doing this i think there's also been andy a little bit of a mindset change from me We've never really talked about this, you and I, but like, I think there was a point in time where we kind of talked about it with Bomb, where like we kind of wanted to maybe like, I don't know, do some kind of like broader podcast stuff or maybe try to like have a national blah, 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 maybe, maybe try to go down that road. I think right now we're kind of in a state of like, we're just doing this for fun. We're, we're enjoying it. We're talking about what we want to talk about, which is Xavier basketball mostly. And then just whatever, you know, piques our interest. Um, But that's just kind of what I wanted to say is just like, that's kind of where we are, like where my headspace is. And, um, I appreciate you if you're still here and hopefully, you know, if you're listening and you're in that weird Venn diagram of being a fucking weirdo and liking Xavier basketball and, you know, broad sports shit and you're in the middle of that weird ass Venn diagram, I'm hoping you're getting something out of this. I hope I'm getting some too, eventually. Hopefully. I mean, dude, we're going to break that slump eventually. And when you do, honestly, Andy, this is, this might be something that I'm new, that is new in my brand or every time I do the thing where I just tweet out the, uh, I just had sex, um, fucking screenshot from that music video i'll send it to you after this after this pod's over if you want and you tweet it out i will go absolutely ape shit when it, when it happens all right okay all right uh, so i'll just do it every every time yep 
we can just that can just be our own little thing. And then if Coop wants to get on, we absolutely can. And if anyone else wants to get on get on that train, by all means, go for it. I think it's fucking hilarious. But I think that's gonna be my new thing. Every time we do the deed, you know, you know, sex is so back, everybody. It's like when uh, you know, when like the you know the college basketball account, you know, they got something going on, so they'll tweet their little gif like, "Hey, this is about to happen." Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, hey, you know, stuff's going on. You know, life's good. Okay, I'm just post a picture of um a screenshot of one of Dante Jackson's recruiting um tweets. Boom! Boom! <laughs> I mean, whatever your you know your vibe is, I mean, I I think that should I think that should be more of a thing. I kind of want to speak that into existence. And, we should so celebrate yeah. each other's coitus more. Yes, we should. And like honestly, so if you're out there and you do the coitus. Just find something that fits you. Like we all have our own batting stances. Like uh, just find a tweet or a gif or a picture or a video or a clip or just you know tweet it out. It could be the it could be the Browns helmet for all I care. Yeah, I wouldn't do it, but it could be if that's you. And you can you can DM like DM us like, hey, this is my thing. This is what I'm gonna I'm start posting out there. Um, this is gonna be my my um sex announcement, my coitometer. Now here's here here I just this this top center my brain. If we can someday coordinate you, me, and Coop getting the deed done at the same time, and we can tweet it from the roll blob account, like legitimately. All three pictures, or just and one one coincided picture. I'll I'll get into the graphic design lounge here in a second. Okay. If that day happens, if you ever like you know before a game happens or something, you think something really really funny and you put it you save it. Hopefully getting hopefully thinking you're gonna get the chance to tweet it. Sometimes you don't. I think it's put away in the archives. I'm gonna, I might do that, and hopefully, I get to tweet it. Um, I'll, I'll get in the lab and, and cook something up for us. Dude, that 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 sounds beautiful. So I love how this went from a, a state of the state of the program address to all right, guys, find a GIF or any type of graphic and DM us, and every time you have sex, tweet it out, and we'll go eat shit. Can I just say I love our podcast? <laughs> I love what we do. And I was thinking that when I was talking to Bob and I got him going about Clementines, like, cause he's like, there's really no one better to hear about. If you care about Xavier basketball, I had Bob right now. And he was at the fucking scrimmage. He's got like the only actual Xavier basketball shit to actually talk about. And the very beginning, I just got him going about Clementines. For minute. <laughs> like, I just, I, I just love, I want to see whoever listens to this, like, especially the 55 year old guy's face. I want to see that guy's face just being like, God, I thought they had bomb on. And right. I, I got excited. They had bomb on. I talked some basketball. They corrupted bomb. Like his, his job is to eat, sleep, and breathe Xavier basketball. And they got this motherfucker going on about goddamn Clementine. Um, that just makes me laugh. And, and um, I hope someone out there has that same sense of humor as me. Roll blob.